All right, uh, here's a thing. By, by the way, who, how many of us came to the uh, truck or treat dealio last night? Holy smoke. Are you, and this was like a crazy event. I mean, we had, I don't know, somebody, somebody told me they think they, we, if you count the, I mean, just estimating like 300 folks or something like that. I know that for me, when I was outside, I would see a different crowd of people, and it was crowded. I'd come down to the basement, different crowd of people. I'd come up, and it was just packed both. I mean, it was, it was wild. So I don't know how many people, but uh, thank you guys for coming out, and, um, and those who uh, came and then put a trunk together and decorated your cars and stuff like that. We got bukus of candy. Uh, I don't know about you guys, but I feel like I got a, like a Kit Kat hangover, man. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, amen. Hey, man, the time change messed me up, too, man. I've got a kind of headache. I'm like, oh, God, I'll never eat a Kit Kat again, I swear. But they got these, these like, triple fudge or double double chocolate. Oh, man, what? Dude, I, you see all those rappers out there? Yeah. My bad, y'all. I didn't even take, a, I didn't even take into, into account the consequences the next day, you know? But, uh, yeah, so it's, it's but it, what a cool night. What a cool event. And uh, well, thank you guys very, very much for doing that in the community man really responded yesterday it was awesome it really was a lot of kids and everything like that we even had a uh uh whip and nay nay dance off for the kids last night it was so cool so cool um also we have a uh, a very prestigious award this is the trunk or treat best trunk and it goes to me <laughs> and judy for the phone that was a man no 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 nobody buys it um, I'm going to present, this is actually, Bonnie K won it last year, her name is on here, so this actually goes from person to person, uh, this goes to Ward Ramsey, Echo, come on up Ward, this dude, this dude had a freaking log cabin on top of his truck with a smile, like what, look at that thing man, I mean literally you may not be able to see it in this picture, but it had a working chimney inside, I was like, I said, that's crazy man, so Ward, Speech! <laughs> Give me the microphone, man. <laughs> yes, uh, I know you love me, really. Um, you, th- here's the deal. This hat, not, hey, listen up for you guys who want to win this next year, all right? This has to be put in a prominent place in your home, all right? Like mantle, like, uh, like spotlights on it or something. Like this is, this is a award of awards. Is that, can you do that? Is that a deal? Nice, yeah, there you go, <laughs> nice, it's a major award, that's right, <laughs> very cool, everybody give Ward a hand, man, very cool, dude. awesome, bro, thanks for your work, man, appreciate that, kids, thank you very much, too, all right, got a lot, got a lot of visitors in the house this morning, excellent, had, had some, quite a few visitors for the first service as well, very, very cool, um, but, you know, we, we are, if you are trying to figure out what have I gotten myself into, um, wait till you hear the message. <laughs> it's, uh, you know, it, you haven't heard me preach yet to think this is a weird kind of thing now, but, but really it is, man. We are a, a very unique situation here. Amen. God has given us great favor. Uh, we are in a church that is essentially in a very small town. So a lot of people will say, don't put a church there because nobody will come and everybody came, <laughs> you know? Because God is God, amen? God does his thing, man. We have gotten great favor, great, I mean, just really a great reputation with the city. The, lots of people are coming. Lots of people came last night. Got to, got to visit with people. They're like, I've not heard, you know, what are you, guys, what are you guys about? What do you do? And it was just a wonderful experience yesterday. It's been a wonderful ride for the last nine, almost ten months now that we've been open officially as a, as a church. 
And right now we're going through some, some uh, what's called a generosity challenge. I want to ask you guys, how many of you feel like God has blessed us, blessed us as, as individuals, blessed us as a church this year? As we have an opportunity on November 22nd to give back to not only the community, but to give back to God, to really challenge ourselves to bring a, a, the, essentially the greatest gift offering or Thanksgiving offering to the church on, on November 22nd. And for some of the user visitors, I'm going to address this whole issue of money and, and generosity because I know some of you come into the, into the church going, oh, man, they're going to talk about money right off the bat. Uh, kind of, but what we're, we're really doing is talking about generosity. The generosity that is, is godly generosity. It's not just about your funds, but we're going to bring our funds, going to bring it in mass on November 22nd. The other thing is that after the first two services, what we're going to do is that the church is going to buy turkeys. I think you talked to, talked to Alyssa about it, or Alyssa talked about it, but the church is going to buy turkeys. And we're going to have 21 families, and we're going to have these bags and everything. They're going to be decorated by Kid City and all this kind of stuff. It's going to be cool. We have information about the church and all that kind of stuff. But we're going to take 21 Thanksgiving dinners to, to some families in Edgerton. And what we're going to ask people to do is, is sign up on your Connect cards to, to take those to this, to, to sign up, to volunteer, to take this to the family. And, and then what we want you to do is to take that food, take the turkey, go buy the rest of the stuff that afternoon, take it to the family that afternoon, invite that family to our very first 5 o'clock worship service ever and have them come back to the 5 o'clock service with us and we will worship, we will talk about what God did, we will talk about how generous God is to us, amen? That's going to be an awesome time. So that's in, what, three weeks from now? Kind of cool. And it's going to be a fun, fun, fun time. And we're going through the, the, the what's called the story right now. And if you feel like, oh, shoot, man, they're in the middle of this series and I'm not going to get, man, we'll catch you up. It's no problem. It's a really, really kind of a cool, kind of a great way to, to get you caught up. But if you haven't read the story, what the story is, it doesn't replace the Bible. We believe that the Bible is the inspired, inerrant, complete word of God. Amen. And so what we, what we want people to do is they read the story. What it is, it's an abridged version of the Bible written in chronological order, and it will help you to understand the Bible better. So what we want to do is use the story to point us to the Bible so that when we read the Bible, I don't get it, I don't understand. I want to, it's kind of jumbled around and that kind of thing. It doesn't make sense in order, but you can read the story. It'll help you understand it a little bit more. Is that cool? And so what we've done is taken, in the beginning of the, the, the story, we've taken it from Genesis, and we've said, okay, here's the account of the creation account, and we talked about that. We talked about the flood and the fall of man, and we talked about the, de the, the demise of, uh, of Israel and the fact that they started wanting kings and all that kind of stuff, and we talked about King David and his son Solomon, and, and we, all those kinds of things we talked about. We talked about the fact that God sent prophets over a period of 500 years to, to help the Israelites, his people, to repent and to turn back to, to him, and this week... Well, last week we talked about Daniel, and we talked about the fact that Daniel stood strong. His, he and his homeboys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, stood strong even when, even when the, the government and the governing body said, hey, we don't want you to worship your God, we want you to worship the God in the way we want to, and they couldn't do it. And they went through all kinds of trials, troubles, and struggles, and they came out victorious. But they said, even if God doesn't deliver us from those kinds of things, he's still God, and he's still worth worshiping. And this week, we talk, we talk about the beginning of the building, rebuilding of the temple. The, the kingdom has been, been basically laid bare by God. And this is a time where the Israelites are starting to come back to Jerusalem. They're starting to essentially come, 
come home, and it's a victorious time. And Ezra, this which we're going to be primarily in, a little bit in Ezra and Haggai. By the way, there are some pronouncements, pronouncements of some of the names I'm probably going to need help with. So if you hear me pause, go, uh, I need somebody to help, help me out. Is that cool? Somebody might shout it out because I'm looking for the, some of the, there's some great names in here, but I don't know how to pronounce them all. Um, when you read them, you just don't pronounce them out loud. But Ezra is a scribe and a priest who is leading people back to, to Jerusalem in, in, to start rebuilding the temple of God. See, the temple has been destroyed. Nebuchadnezzar you know, laid it bare, and they, they said, hey, we want to bring people back. And Ezra is essentially leading people not just to rebuild the temple, but, but leading people to, to their hearts to come back to God. And that's what's so great about this, is that we can, we can, we can take the scriptures of Ezra and the, the example of Ezra and realize that the rebuilding of the temple in the book of Ezra is very reflective of our walk, of, of what happens in our spiritual life when we return. See, because there is a return to God. And by the way, on your app, your New City Church app, if you want to start filling out the blanks on that, you can send this to yourself. I tried this a couple of, couple of weeks when Monine was up here speaking, and it actually sent it to myself, and it actually worked. There was no bugs or anything. You can, you can fill this out, send it to yourself, share it with anybody you like. There is a return to God. And some of you have returned. And some of you have yet to make that initial step, and some of you have yet to return back to God. But there is a return to God. And when there is a return, when someone says, for the first time I want to take Jesus as my Savior, I want to follow Jesus, or some of us have fallen away and they want to return back to God, get back into the church, whatever you want to call it, and truly become a follower again of the Lord, there's an opposition, a great opposition. Some of you are surprised haven't said amen. <laughs> because as soon as you come back, it's like, all this stuff starts going haywire. You guys know Pete, right? Guy I just gave a dinosaur to. <coughs> Pete's one of the weirdest dudes in the world. I love it, right? That's why we get along. So we're like such friends. Like we get each other kind of, you know? So, it, but what he said was, there was somebody who was telling a man, it seemed like as soon as I came to know the Lord, I got my whole house started breaking down. My dishwasher, my refrigerator, the car, right? Something crazy happened in my bank account. I mean, it's just, you know, wild. Health issues, my, man, the enemy's going to mess with your mind as soon as you start, start following the Lord. It, it's crazy. And Pete looks at the guy and goes, woohoo! <laughs> what? <laughs> What's wrong, Pete? He goes, that means what you're doing is the right thing. You catch that? Like as soon as you get back to God, it's, it's like if the enemy's not worried about you taking his territory for God, he's not going to deal with you, is he? I mean, if you think, well, you know, I got no problems, got no issues or anything like that, it always worries me when somebody comes to know the Lord and they go, hey, man, ever since I came to know Jesus, I ain't got no problems at all. I'm like, uh-oh, there's a problem, right? Is there not? There's got to be a problem in this because we will either, this opposition will come and we will either flee, we will compromise, or we will stand strong in the Lord. We'll either flee, run away, compromise, or we will stand strong in the Lord, and we will have to live with our decision. I haven't had to do this in quite a while, but I can't tell you how many times I've done this, especially with youth. They get this emotional thing in the church, and they go, I want to come and follow Jesus. I want to come and, and know him. And I look straight at them, and I say, are you sure about this? Are you sure you're ready for the, 
things to get hard? Are you sure you're ready for the battle that's about to be waged? Because if you are truly a follower of the Lord, there's going to be trials, troubles, struggles, tribulations that's going to come out of you from, no, from, from who knows where. Right? I know. He goes, hey, man, you said this was a happy place. It is a happy place because there's victory in the Lord. We know who wins. Right? Man, I love this. See, because if I can talk somebody out of following Jesus, and I know that sounds like your evangelists are going, those of you who are wired evangel- evangelistically are going, don't do that, right? We want people to know Jesus. Yes, we do, but here's the thing. Jesus is coming back soon, and we, we, we are looking for warriors that are going to fight this spiritual war. So if I can talk somebody out of following Jesus on Sunday morning in a group of People like us that love Jesus, that follow Jesus, that want to see more people, his kingdom grow, want to see the city like, like just be prosperous in the Lord. We want to see all that stuff. If I could talk that guy or that gal out of it on Sunday morning, they got no chance on Monday morning. When somebody looks at them and says, you're stupid for doing that. Oh, you're going to be a Bible thumper, Jesus freak now. Oh, you ain't going to hang with us like you used to, right? That's what's going to happen. And that's what happens to most of us, right? When we, as soon as we make this decision, man, it's like all of a sudden, out of nowhere, something crazy happens either side. We, got, we get thoughts in our mind, or we get people that we thought were really cool with Jesus that are all of a sudden say, hey, man, don't be so radical. Has anybody ever experienced people say, hey, you need to get back to church? And as soon as you do, as soon as you start like, like really being jazzed about Jesus, they're like, whoa, 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 don't be so radical. It's crazy. But that's what happens. Because the enemy is real, and he doesn't like his territory being taken. We have battled great spiritual warfare just starting this church. Some of you have been from the beginning, know exactly what I'm talking about. Sickness, financial issues, all kinds of stuff going on. Like like actual, I mean, I'll talk to you about it personally. (laughs) Some crazy stuff that has happened. But God's territory is being expanded in our town, man. And the enemy ramped it up, and it's, it's continued to ramp it up in some of our lives. I don't mean to scare people, anybody away. I just want to prepare people, right? Like, this, this ain't no joke. This ain't no thing where you go, whoo, I'm going to follow Jesus, and everything's going to be cool. Yeah, it's going to be good eventually, but it is what it is. Is that cool? Can we just be honest? Are you, you guys cool with me telling you that? All right, right on, right on. So here's what's talk about the return, because here's the example in Ezra. Ezra 1, uh, verses 1 through 7, and the story Page 263 says, in the first year of Cyrus, ooh, I get excited about Cyrus. Can everybody go, whoo-hoo, every time I say Cyrus? Because you remember, like, a couple weeks ago, Cyrus was mentioned in Isaiah 150 years before Cyrus ever came to know. That's why we not know the Bible's, like, real and stuff. Like, God foresaw it and, like, named a dude who was going to do exactly what we're talking about. It's so cool. So in the first year of King Cyrus, ooh, nice. In order to fulfill the word of the Lord spoken by Jeremiah, the Lord moved the heart of Cyrus, king of per- yeah, thank you. I forgot. I almost forgot. You guys reminded me, king of Persia, to make a co- proclamation throughout this realm and also put it in writing. This is what Cyrus. Nice. I love our church. King of Persia says, "The Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth, and He has appointed me to build a temple for Him at Jerusalem, in Judah." Any of his people among you may go up to Jerusalem and Judah and build the temple of the Lord, the God of Israel, the God who is in Jerusalem, and may their God be with them. And in any any locality where survivors may now be living, the people are to provide them with silver 
and gold, with goods and livestock, and with free will offerings for the temple of God in Jerusalem. So the, for the first time in a long time, a guy named Cyrus comes by. Thank you. <laughs> nice. Ooh, I love you guys. Keep, keep me on my toes, baby. So this guy named Cyrus came forward, as, as was predicted 150 years prior to, came and did exactly what the scripture said Cyrus would do, right? And so he comes and he rescues the people and he comes and he, he says, hey, it's going to be okay for you guys now to come back and rebuild the temple. In fact, I'm going to make it like, like really beneficial for you guys. And listen to what happens, man. Then the family heads of Judah and Benjamin, the priests and Levites, everyone whose God, heart God had moved, this is Cyrus, right, who has like thinking kingdom-minded type of stuff, prepared to go up and build the house of the Lord in Jerusalem. All their neighbors assisted them with articles of silver and gold, with goods and livestock, and with valuable gifts, in addition to all the free will offerings. Moreover, King Cyrus, nice, brought out the articles belonging to the temple of the Lord, which Nebuchadnezzar had carried away from Jerusalem, and had placed in the temple of his God. So here comes the opposition. You would think everything would be cool, right? You would think, yay, we get to King Cyrus. That's what they were all saying too, right? So they were like, we're going to get to rebuild it. Everything's going to be great. It's going to be honky-dory. We're going to have a place to worship and give sacrifices like we did for what we're supposed to. Now we're going to be back, and here's what happens. Because what did I tell you in the beginning? There's going to be an opposition to the return. And sometimes the opposition doesn't come where we think it will. Ezra 4, verses 1 through 5, in the story, page 265, says, When the enemies of Judah and Benjamin heard that the exiles were building a temple for the Lord, the God of Israel, they came to, uh, somebody help me with this one. Zerubbabel, yeah, you guys can't figure it out either, right? Zerubbabel, somebody said, Zerubbabel, is that right? All right, somebody help me in the first service, that's what it sounded pretty similar. Zerubbabel and the heads of the families and said, let us help you build. Listen to this, this is so awesome. Let us help you build because like you, we seek your God and have been sacrificing to him since the time of, uh, you say it, thank you, king of Assyria who brought us here. In other words, the people that were once the enemies of these folks, like, like, like this is just crazy. Here's what they said. They said, oh, oh, it's now favorable for you to go build your temple, King Cyrus has helped has shown that in fact he's gonna like benefit so let us help you with this because really it's all the same god anyway isn't it right this just all dare i say coexist anybody have a coexist bumper sticker don't raise your hand because if you do we have special scrapers the parking team has for taking off coexist bumper stickers see here's the thing man jesus was not a coexist dude jesus said i'm the way the truth the, not, not a way, not a good way, not the best way. I'm the way, the truth, the life, and no one comes to the Father except by me, right? And so when we start saying, let's all the same God, let's all just get along and things like that. Jesus was not a coexist God. In other words, what people are trying to say is that it's all the same God, and this is not the same God. We worship a different God, a God that came in the flesh, a God that, a God that is the Word. In the beginning was the Word, the Word who was God. He made his dwelling among us, amen? See, on the surface, this stuff sounds good. But the opposition, like I said before, doesn't always come from an obvious 
enemy. Like I said before, it may come from family, friends, that kind of thing. But it, it's just wild how, how this stuff works. Back in the early 2000s, <coughs> I had been a, kind of worked in the corporate world, and I apologize for continuing to cough. I had allergies about a month ago, and it's got this nagging cough. Any better to get one of those? So you start talking, it gets, gets dry. So I'll continue to try to quit coughing. But for about 12 years, I was with the corporate world and, and did a lot of traveling, got business traveling. My wife and I moved from Georgia to Florida, Alabama to North Carolina to here by the time Morgan was six years old. And we've been here ever since. We just finally said, that's enough. We've got to go a different direction. But one time I was traveling, I think I just, if you remember a couple weeks ago, how I had started following Jesus when I found out that the Bible was true, it was accurate, it was real, it was, it was truly inspired. There's no possible way to explain the things in the Bible other than God's God and Jesus is God in the flesh. There's just no, it's, it's virtually impossible for Jesus to be anybody but God. And I had just essentially come to this realization pretty recently and I'm traveling in the middle of Kansas nowhere. You ever been out there? Yeah, it's wild, man. You're like, whoa, is this real? You know, are we on Mars? Um, it's, especially in the snow, it's like, there's, yeah, snow's like, wow, it's like, yikes, there's nothing out here, right, is it, are, am I in the field, or am I in the, on the, what, no, 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 I'm not talking about our people, man, no, don't give me wrong, amen, I love these people, man, right, <laughs> we pray for those people, I'm not talking, I was in a place where there was no people, <laughs> I'm, I'm like, wow, I can pray for the tumbleweeds. Yeah, there you go. It was like, woo. But I think it might have been a mirage, but there was a barbecue restaurant out here, right? And I'm like, whoo, food, because I might not get it for the next week. So I, got, so I, so I pulled in this barbecue restaurant, and I'm sitting there, and I'm like, oh, man. I don't even know if this is, like, sanitary, because it probably has been there for a while because nobody else was coming. <coughs> but I'm sitting there eating my pulled pork and whatever, probably onion rings, I don't even know, and there was two guys that walk in, and they had ties and name tags on, some of you know exactly what I'm talking about, right, they were not on bikes, which was, threw me off, wait a second now, remember, remember we're in the middle of nowhere, now it wasn't snow at this point, but we're in the middle of nowhere, right, so these guys did drive here, and so I'm pretty naive, I'm, I'm, really kind of new to following Jesus. I'm really enthusiastic about the Lord. And so I'm asking these, I said, hey guys, you guys work around here? Name tags, ties. I'm assuming they're working at a department store. I have no idea. And they goes, no, we're missionaries. Oh, my ears kind of perked up. That's kind of cool, right? I'm kind of a missionary too. And so I said, well, what kind of missionaries are you? What church you guys with? He goes, oh, we're with the Latter-day Saints. Still had no clue what that meant. Like, oh, What's a Latter-day Saint? I mean, I'm just asking, right? Simple question. Well, are you familiar with the Mormons? That I had heard of, right? And he said, hey, would you like to know more about the Book of Mormon, about what we believe? I was like, you know, I really believe that the Bible is the inspired, inerrant Word of God, and I really am not interested in finding, you know, I, I, I just he goes, oh, oh, we do too. We think it's the same, same God that wrote the, the Old and New Testament is what wrote the Book of, of Mormon. I'm like, really? So I said, well, let me ask you, what, what, say I'm a Baptist and, and you're a Mormon. Tell me the difference between what a Baptist believe and what a Mormon believes. And the Mormon looked at me and he said, well, what we believe is that when Jesus left Israel, 
right? After he, was, after he was crucified and rose from the dead, he came over to America and witnessed to the Indians. Some of you are like, wait a second. So that's what I did. It kind of flipped off for me. I was like, hmm, can I see your Bible that you say is the inspired and errant word of God? I'm not trying to argue with the guy. I'm just asking him, you have the Bible, right? Yeah, he gave me the Bible. Flipped it to the gospel that said Jesus ascended to heaven when he left here. Now, you know my next question, right? Are we in heaven? Because let me be honest with you, this kind of sucks. <laughs> and you know what the guy said to me? He said, we don't run into anybody hardly ever that knows anything about the Bible. That's all he said. And I just looked at him and said, bro, we've got an issue here. I don't know that much about the Bible either. I'm just really starting to read it. But if you're saying this is the inspired word of God, and you're saying the Book of Mormon is the inspired word of God, and they say something totally different from one another, then we've got a problem. One of them has to be wrong, or they both have to be wrong, but they both can't be right, amen? And they drove off. And, and so for me, I'm like, it's, it's happening all over. Guys, oh, we do too. Oh, it's the same God. Verse 3, and Ezra 4. But Zer, help me. Zerubbabel. <coughs> I'm not very smart, right? You're smart. Thank you, Pete. Joshua, I love our church, and the rest of the heads of the families of Israel answered, you have no part with us in building a temple to our God. We alone will build, a build it for the Lord, the God of Israel, as King Cyrus, king of Persia, commanded us. Then the peoples around them set out to discourage the people of Judah and make them afraid to go in, go on building. So they initially, like, took it on the chin and said, no, nah, we're going to stay strong. But then they relentlessly started pounding them to discourage them. They bribed officials to work against them and frustrate their plans during the entire reign of Cyrus, king of Persia, and down to the reign of Darius, king of Persia. So, it's, I mean, through, through, so for about six years or so, they struggled building it and finally said, well, I guess it's not God's will. We got to kind of abandon this. We're going to go back to our homes, start building our homes. Now that we're back in Jerusalem, everything's cool. We're just going to abandon what God has said for us to do. I guess it wasn't really God's will because it got, it got hard. There are people that didn't like us, right? And so the work stalled for about 10 years. See, when we make a stand... The enemy turns up the opposition, doesn't he? <laughs> Everybody's like, amen. The Israelites were offered a compromise. It's all the same God. They took a stand. You have no part with us. But then fled when things got hard, when things became pressured. First Peter 4, Peter, one of the disciples that walked with Jesus, says to the church in First Peter 4, 12, says, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. This is supposed to happen, right? Don't be, and, and that's why I tell people, are you sure you're ready for this battle? Because I want people to be armored. I don't want people to be surprised. I don't want people to come up and go, come on, brother, we're going to dunk you and everything's going to be good. And as soon as they get out, they got, they got, they got killed out there, right? They're like, you lied to us. Amen important for us to understand that the prophet Haggai I think it's how you pronounce it, I'm pretty sure 
said in, 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 in response to this leaving the work that's done of the temple in Haggai 1, 2 through 9, this is what the Lord Almighty says. These people say, the time has not yet come to rebuild the Lord's house. The word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. It, is it a time for you yourselves to be living in your paneled houses? While this house, he's talking about the temple, remains in a, in a ruin? And I, I'm going to say something that's kind of radical here because God, I don't think, really cares about the temple. I don't think he really cares about our local church building. I don't think he cares about that kind of stuff. What he cares about is the heart doesn't he he cares about whether or not you worry about more about your own house than you do god's and that's why we're in the middle of this 90-day challenge man man on your seats guys you have an opportunity seriously to be thinking about this check this out read over this pray over this about what it means to tithe what it means to be thinking about things of god versus ourselves above and beyond god i'm not saying to to neglect your own house but guys We've got to make sure we do, we are aligning ourselves with the way God wants us to align in his word. Is it time for you yourselves to be living in, a pa- in your paneled houses while this house remains a ruin? Now this is what the Lord Almighty says, give careful thought to your ways. You have planted much but harvested little. You eat but never have enough. You drink but never have your fill. You put on clothes but are not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it in other words you worry about your own house and you never seem to have enough you work and you work and you work and you work and there's too much month at the end of the paycheck you drink and drink and drink and you never get satisfied you eat and eat and eat and you never feel you go on vacation after vacation and you're never relaxed why because you're thinking about yourselves versus thinking about god's stuff i'm thinking of self stuff over god's stuff and According to God, he don't like that very much. This is what the Lord Almighty says, and we'll finish, start finishing winding down with this. Give careful thought to your ways. Go up to the mountains and bring down timber and build my house so that I may take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. You expected much, but see it. It turned out to be little. You brought home. What you brought home, I blew away. Why? declares the Lord Almighty, because my house, which remains a ruin while each of you is busy with your own house. And I love this because the people turn back away from this. This consumer mentality, this comfort mentality, this, this, this self-centered, I'm going to take care of myself, it makes common sense mentality. They turned away from it. And in Ezra 6, 16 through 18, in the story, page 274, Then the people of Israel, the priests, the Levites, they rebuilt it. And the rest of the exiles celebrated the dedication of the house of God with what? Joy. For the dedication of this house of God, they offered 100 bulls, 200 rams, 400 male lambs, and as as a sin offering for all Israel, 12 male goats, one for each of the tribes of Israel. And they installed the priests in their divisions and the Levites in their groups for the service of God at Jerusalem. According to what was written in the book of Moses. And all God's people said, amen. So here's the thing, guys. (coughs) It's never about, it's never about our church building. It's never about the temple of God. 
I remember the same God I said to said to King David, I didn't ask for this. When David said, I got to build something great for the Lord. God is satisfied with going from place to place in a tent with his people when the temple was built. But he said, all right, if you insist, you got to do it this way, that kind of thing. But for us, this, this challenge to be generous the way God is generous is not a challenge to try to build a building or try to do stuff to maintain. It is about thinking the way God says to think in his word. And that's all. To be generous the way God said to be generous. To be tithing the way God said to be tithing. To be, to be, to be sacrificial the way God says to be sacrificial. How much did it cost God for mine and your sorry behinds? Let me ask. How, how much? Everything. Exactly right. His whole life. Right? Excuse me if I offended anybody. But we're all sorry. Right? We all are unworthy according to the word. We have all fall sh- fallen short of God's glorious ideal. And so for us, guys, here's the thing. We want to do what God said to do. Be generous the way God said to be generous. So I have several questions. I want to finish up with this. Why have you, if you haven't, returned? Returned to God. Some of you have never accepted Jesus as your Savior. You know, I've got questions if you do. And so I don't want to scare you away from doing that, but I want you to truly contemplate what it means because the scriptures, they're like inspired and they're very clear what happens to us if we do not accept the Lord. And so if you haven't, I'm going to ask you to do it today. Come talk to one of us. We'll probably try to to talk you out of it a little bit, challenge you a little bit, make sure you're ready to engage in the battle that is coming. But if you haven't accepted that free gift, that offer of salvation, the scriptures also say that victory is ours. It is his. We are part of, we are his kingdom. And victory is already decided. Amen. For some of us, we've strayed away from the Lord. We accepted this offer. We're saved, but we've strayed away. And we need to come back to the Lord in return and if you have returned how have you responded to the opposition did you get all mad at god because because you got this problem that problem and all kinds of stuff going on and and you know i you know car broke down and got health issues got probably so and so and so died god why would you let that happen have you said god thank you for the discipline thank you for the hard stuff thank you for growing me in you thank you for giving me reasons and giving me ways to trust you more no matter how you've responded i want you to ask yourself how is that response working for me how's that response working for you how you've responded to the opposition is this hopeful today? Let's pray that it was. Father, we love you. We thank you so much for all that you've given us, all that you've done for us, all that you have provided for us. Thank you for the opportunity to be generous. 
thank you for the opportunity to give back what you've freely given us. It's just amazing, God. From the country we live in to the jobs that we have to the, to the provision that you've given us to the favor given our church. We thank you for that, Lord. And God, as we are going to engage in communion this morning, for the first time in a while, we don't do it every week, Lord, but we're doing it today. May you open our hearts and open our minds and open our ears to what it means to take communion. It's in your son's amazing name, all God's people said, amen.